This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at uctv.tv slash careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and those in career transition bridge to better employment. Welcome to our new segment of Job One. We're thrilled to have you with us. We've got a really um, interesting guest today. And one of the concerns we always have as students and once you get out of school is this life-work balance. Some of us get a little carried away with the life part. Most get carried away with the work, and we forget to be really good, happy citizens, husbands, wives, daughters, brothers, sisters. We need to balance the two things. So Arch Fuston is my guest today, and Arch is the owner of Arch Fuston Coaching and Consulting, an award-winning corporate well-being architect. And Arch speaks across the country about these issues because it's so important to large business, small businesses, and all sorts of groups. So, Arch, we're thrilled to have you with us today. Great to be to here. share with um, the audience the issues that we're facing. Tell us a little bit about your practice, how you got into it, and what your goals are. I've been a leader in corporate America for years and years. The past 12 years, I had the opportunity to build and architect and create from the ground up uh, an employee well-being program for a, a local, local San Diego company. And through that, I had a front row seat to the diversity of leadership, from CEOs that really got it to others that it just, it just wasn't their thing, and they had to lean on others to deliver that emotional leadership in the workplace. And so for me, it was just such a wonderful learning experience that I could then take um, beyond the four walls of an organization and, and share that more broadly. Let's talk about people looking for work and going in the, in the first day of a job and going on interviews. What advice do you give people who are going into a foreign world, maybe they've never done it, and, and interviewing, we know, I always tell people, you know, this is not the Spanish Inquisition. This is a conversation. Chill, you know, take a breath. And you can say that all day long, but what, how do they prepare themselves? Yeah, yeah, that's such a good question because we're, we're talking about emotional interpretation. And what we need to know is that when we go into a, quote, stressful situation, we have the opportunity to be a little bit more flexible with our emotions and not viewing this as a, a threatening situation, but an opportunity to really show and shine who you, who you best are. Right, that's what an interview is. Absolutely. Tell me why I should hire you. Absolutely. And so the mere, the mere practice of changing your mindset as this is fun, this is exciting versus this is scary, there's so much on the line here can make a complete world of difference physiologically, but also emotionally in how you come across. The other thing that's really important and a huge opportunity with this is, is when you have a distinct understanding of your character strengths, your character strengths and your purpose, like who you want to be, what you want to contribute to in life. And when you combine those two things and take those front and center in your mindset into that interview or, or first day on the job or whatever. Or your first date or, or your blind first date, right? Date. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> There's very little difference between a first interview and a first date. The right? emotions are exactly the <laughs> yep. same. If you can summons up your essence, who you are at your best, and just let, let that flow, 
you're going to be totally fine. And how do they do that? What's the mindset? What's the exercise or the yeah, practice? Yeah, yeah. The greatest resource for this is the via character strengths. And you can do a, a free um, online assessment of your character strengths. It was de- developed by Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania in the positive psychology movement. And it will give you your list, top to bottom, of your, of your top character strengths. Yeah, you fill out a form strengths. or an yep. interview or something? Yeah. Yep. Like Myers Briggs or something like that. Yep. Uh, yes. This is sort very, of like very that. different. Yeah. Very <laughs> different. This is this is this isn't strengths and talents. This is your character, like you, who you are at your essence. And you'll get you'll get a list, and the top five are your signature strengths. They're the ones that come the most naturally to you when you're at your best. And knowing that, no, give me examples. So, like, what are your top? five? My top five are kindness, love. Social intelligence, perspective, and creativity. And when you I'm sound using, like a nice guy to know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so when you take when you when you know those things and you take those into every situation and lead with that, you are your most authentic self. And what's really cool is you can look at your you can look at your situations in life when you haven't been at the top of your of your game, and you can see. Uh, yourself devoid of those of those characteristics. So summoning, summoning those, knowing those things, summoning up and taking those into these interviews and these dates and, and everything, and just present your best self. So what would I do? I mean, I, I now let's say those were my top five. Okay. I, I'd sure like those to be my top five. I don't know if they would be. But how do I activate that? I'm going in to meet a stranger. It's the final interview. It's the owner of the company or it's the head of HR. This is the deal breaker interview. Yeah. Right. The others were rehearsals. Yeah. How, how? What do I say to myself? What do I? What notes do I take in? How? Do, how do I activate this knowledge? Yeah. Yeah. No, great. Great question. The first thing is is recognizing that you, what you're feeling, and don't automatically lump it into stress or I'm anxious. First part of that is don't assume the identity of that emotion. It's not. I am anxious, I am stressed. It's I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling stressed. The other part is is be a little bit more accurate with what you're what you're feeling. Is that anxiousness or stress excitement? Are you like really fired up about this opportunity? Huh? Absolutely, because they are very they're very close cousins and how we allow ourselves to think about it determines if we go to the dark side or the light side. And so that's that first and foremost is choosing the upside of the emotion. The second part is just leading with leading with your strengths, knowing what you can contribute, having a, having a good sense of the impact and contribution you want to make in this organization, and let it fly. Well, are there phrases I would use? Are there, you know, the hardest thing on a, yep. I keep coming back to a date, first date of an interview, but they're so similar. But first impressions we both know are so important, and that's four, six, eight inch. Uh, Seconds, however, you know, whatever you're reading. So I'm really nervous, right? And, yeah. And an example in our lobby here, I make a point of coming out to get guests, right? Because I want to s- surprise them a little bit. You know, they don't know when I'm coming out. To test them about their game, right? What, if I, I, I'm acknowledging I'm nervous, I know how important this is, I've tried to like breathe deep and, you know, and chill, but I'm still wiping my hand. You know, I'm nervous. Yeah. And it's clearly not thrilled. I'm nervous. And that first sentence or conversation in my mouth can either sort of put me at ease or go, "Oh my God, I'm out of my, I'm out, I'm off my game." 
What do we do? What, what advice would you give somebody that is nervous? Yeah, yeah. I would say that your, your connection to this happens long before that interview. So sure. the awareness is, is that I know that every feeling that I have is spurred by a thought. And so if my thoughts are, what if I screw up? What if I say the wrong thing? The next thing that's going to follow is a feeling, is, is a feeling that, that... And the wrong thing. <laughs> absolutely, yeah, because the, the action and the behavior follows. So knowing that, going into this, that there, there's, a, there's a chance that I could experience this, this, and this. But I know that I'm really excited about this opportunity. I know that I have the, the strengths and the talents and the abilities. And that's what I'm going to lead with. And so you know, little mantras like, I believe in myself. I know I can do this. I trust myself. And having those things go through your mind as you're going into these, these opportunities can really help bring that, bring that level of, uh, I mean, it's fear. Yeah. That's all it is. It's bringing so that level of fear down. Talk, right? a- absolutely. You can do this. You can do it. An, an example, Barbara Boxer, who was until recently a senator from California, said she was very nervous. She is an introvert, right? She doesn't like crowds. She doesn't like people she doesn't know. And her game is that before she walks into a room where she's going to meet a bunch of strangers or give a speech, as she's walking down the hall, in her mind, she hears everybody giving a standing ovation. Yeah, yeah. So when they open the doors, in her, what she's hearing is a standing ovation for her walking into the room. And she said, your attitude is so much different than, oh, I don't know what's going to be behind those doors. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's there. And, and I've often thought that is a great trick to play on yourself. And that's the ultimate yep. pep talk. Absolutely. I think. So, Absolutely. Uh, and you can see how that can play, how it will play out. You're, de- you're, you're defining your, your experience by going into it with what yeah. you want to have happen. There's a lot of power in that. How do you, I mean, we've talked about the interview. I mean, that's sort of the, the half hour of importance. But when you have more time to think about it and, and the, the hard you know, decisions about classes you have to take, where are you going to live? Are you going to live off apartment? I mean, there's a lot of angst of being away from home and completely on your own without mom yeah. and dad and then decisions about majors and what classes to take and what clubs to join. What's sort of the long term? How do, how do we, we talked about that sort of, I, I got to have a pep talk for the next hour, but what advice would you give to students or people that are working in new marriages and to sort of how their attitude toward looking at life? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Being accurate and flexible with your feelings and emotions make all the difference in the world. Not lumping every situation as a stressful situation and being, you know, I, I like to think of it as, as taking it from a student standpoint, taking it, taking on the elective of emotional research. So instead of just lumping everything into this nebulous stress arena, think about perhaps I'm feeling lonely or perhaps I'm feeling frustrated with something. And that accuracy gives us a better opportunity to really pinpoint the root behind 
why we're feeling a certain way. For example, the loneliness example. Somebody is, is, is studying for a, a, a test or prepping for an interview, and they've been doing it all day long. And they're just like, I'm so stressed. I'm so stressed. Well, you know what? The Maybe more I not. study, the more I realize I don't know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is getting worse, not better. But you're also in solitude for five, six, seven, eight, nine hours. And we're social creatures. So perhaps you're not stressed. Perhaps you just need to go outside and be around humans for a little bit and then go back and, and get after it again. So being really accurate and interested in how you're feeling and, 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 and diving into the roots behind what's behind all that and then acting upon that versus just taking it in and accepting it and being a um, kind of a victim, a victim to it. Yeah. And you're big, a big difference. You're a big supporter of, of fitness, of exercise. Absolutely. So that's another great release, isn't it? When Absolutely. you've been studying, like, go for a walk, go for a run, grab some buddies and play racquetball, just get active, yep. right? Yep, the clarity that comes with... with uh, with activity and increased heart rate and, and, and blood flow is just some of your best ideas and breakthroughs can come. I mean, Phil, you know that. I mean, you've had them yourself. I mean, that that's when those things happen. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge believer in that. Um, and it can be going for a walk. It's not like, well, I'm not a runner. I can't yeah, go absolutely. skiing. I can't. Just a walk and changing your environment changes the whole attitude. The other thing that we hear a lot about on campus is depression. And yep. you talked about sadness. And Tell us the difference between loneliness, sadness, and depression, and, and what are signs that we should all look for that sad is becoming a bigger issue in our lives? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a, that's a tough one, and um, you know, loneliness does have a lot to do with that. Also, the pressures to perform have a lot to do with it, and, and one of the greatest awarenesses that we can have to subvert that is paying attention to what's known as your explanatory style. Your explanatory style determines your level of optimism or pessimism. And so if you, if you go at life with, I'm never going to be this, this, this. What mom and dad expect me to be, yep. right? Or my I'm spouse expects me to be. always going to be, so never, always, and specific towards you, always you're like me, I'm always at fault. When we go through life with those expl- explanations, that's a pessimistic explanatory style. And most of the time we don't realize what effect we do or can have on other people. Oh, yeah. You know, they're having a bad day. It's like, well, I want to stay away from them because I don't want to. Going sitting down and having a cup of coffee with somebody could be a huge change to their day or a group or, hey, what well, guys, we're looking at this the wrong way. Yeah. I think we can make this goal. Yeah. How, let's talk about how we're going to make it instead of complaining about the goal is, is too high. And I think we can help each other out that way. Absolutely. And that's, that's probably the, the, the key point and the key opportunity with leadership in general is it's such an opportunity to raise people up. I like to view leadership not as a sense of power, but a, an opportunity for empowerment. And through psychological safety, keep creating the environment for, for the contributors of your, of your organization to step out of their comfort zones and take risk, take interpersonal risk. And being a leader that supports that and pushes that allows contributors to really tap into their full, full breadth and depth of talents, strengths and talents. And what it, 
what a gift that is for one human being to give to another human being, to, in the face of change and uncertainty, to help them approach that with a, with a motivation that's more challenge-based versus threat-based. Yeah. That is probably the greatest gift of being a leader. And people think, well, I'm not the CEO, or I'm not the owner, or I'm not the manager of the department. Mm. I encourage you, you can be the leader of the department and let the manager go do his own thing, right? If, if he's negative and, and doesn't have good leadership skills and motivational skills, you take it on, right? Uh, you be 100%. the den mother. And boy, you'll be the hero of that department. Let me ask you one more issue that, that people are very concerned about, and that's how different leadership styles and corporate cultures at companies. I'm interviewing with a department manager, and I think, geez, I like this company, I like this industry, I like the job description, but the CEO seems to be, you yeah. know, uh, um, not somebody, nobody, nobody says anything good about her or him. Um, they hide from him. It's a very closed door. How do I... How do I find these things out? And I'll give you an example I use in HR. I love to visit our customers and our prospects. And I love to go behind the scenes in the, the factory or the office place. And when I'm walking with the head of HR, if they walk down the hall and don't know a soul and don't say hello to anybody, I'm thinking, I'm not sure this is yeah. a good place for manpower associates to be working. I mean, yeah. this, this cold, that, that's my litmus yeah. test. First of all, yeah, you walk down the hall and, hi, Mary, how's the new baby? Happy birthday. Then I go, wow, th- these people have got it. Mm-hmm. They've got it. So how do, what's, I'm interviewing, I'm, I'm trying to decide the job, but there's just something nagging about this company. Yeah. And it may be the corporate culture and the leadership style. How, how do I test that and what risk should I take? Yeah, you know, I would say that you, you want to figure out what is the what is the temperature of the environment, of the direct environment you're going to be involved in first and foremost? Because you could be in an organization with a very toxic leadership group, but the manager that you're reporting to could be fantastic and create a, a really wonderful environment for you that you can grow and thrive and get autonomy, mastery, and purpose out of it. That's number one, because that, that's, that's probably the biggest reason people leave a job in the first place is their manager. They just can't. They just can't do it. Do the leadership totally style fine. or the ethics? Uh, Another key yeah, piece. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I'd say first and foremost that. And then the second part is that whole idea of being empathetic to the pressures of what leadership is under to be, to be, um, to be prosperous and, and fiduciary and, and everything. And gosh, it's just, it's, it's tough because, because, Tough being the leader. It's tough being the leader. Well, because, I mean, that was my. Let's start going into that question because yeah. it is hard at the top, it and is. it is lonely, and it is stressful, and it is pressure with the price of the stock or the sales goals or the net price. You know, all those things that feel like it all dumps onto him or her, and they are uptight and they are stressed. What if we were sitting here with a CEO that said, "Hey, you have high turnover. The employee interviews, the exit interviews, talk about." the toxic environment from the top and managers say, I'll protect you from it, but they don't and they didn't have the smarts to have somebody like you intervene. 
what are the signs that a manager, an owner, leader should look for that they are being toxic and they're doing more damage by being putting their stress on everybody else? What do you say to those CEOs about chilling? They're CEOs, so probably chilling isn't in their nature. <laughs> You're hopeless. No, no, not no. I, I mean, I think there's opportunity always exists, but it takes a courageous effort to change your style and do something different that, that you, you know this way isn't working. Or hopefully you're aware of that, yeah, right? Hopefully, oh, I think I'm doing everything yeah. right. It's great. People yeah. believe that's their fault. They're missing a good thing. I'm, that's sort of the biggest problem. Yeah. I don't even see a problem. I think I'm perfect. That's a key element of being a courageous leader is having that, that acceptance to what's going on. Taking, having, the, having, having a sense of your own fallibility in the situation and being, being courageous and, 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 and approach-based in making, it, making a challenge. And, when people see that and recognize it, because I've, I've seen the full gamut of, of leadership style, and those that, that it goes back to psychological safety, those that recognize a leader that is trying to make a positive impact, and when people recognize that and see that. And takes constructive criticism. Yep. Right? Yep. That's a really key. To yep. me, that's sort of the, you know, we try to help them, and they like stonewall you. It's like, okay we got a bigger problem than just temper tantrums or something. Yeah, and, and it, takes, it, takes, it takes confidence and, and, and courage to do that. And you know, some, leaders will, some leaders will want to and some leaders won't. Yeah. And it's, their, it's, their, it's such an intense environment for them. They're always going to circle their own wagon and do what, do what they feel they can do to survive. And, and it's that... It's that place of survival that's that's the that's the problem. Yeah, and, and if they're not going to change, you have to do something. You have to make a decision. You have to make you know? a decision. Yeah, in 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 your decision is an opportunity. Your decision is an opportunity not to mirror mirror that as the 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 right behavior, but to be true to yourself and be the leader that you wish you had. And sometimes. That's a really difficult thing and to do. And you may need to leave that environment to be able to yeah, flourish. Yeah, you know. And, and that's okay. And it is. It is. The worst thing is you're there it 20 is. years and you go, I've hated this company, but I didn't have the nerve to make a change. So, Arch, thank you for joining. Some really good advice Absolutely. about how we can acknowledge issues and deal with them. But at some point, we have to take action. So, thank you for joining us at Job One today. And we look forward to you participating and watching our future segments.